Well, hello there and welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. Really honored that you are spending some time with us today. I'm Mike Householder, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Langpaul. Hello. How are you today, Emily? I'm great. How are you? Good. And we are joined by our friend and colleague, Pastor Richard Webb, soon to be Dr. Richard Webb, right, yeah. Richard? Just what, about May 22nd or such? The May 22nd was the scheduled commencement, but that's looking right. a little iffy right now, isn't it? Well, we're going to commence online. Okay. Um, then if I really have a need to do face-to-face, I also have the option of August. So will you become a doctor of ministry sitting in your office? Do you, do you like move the tassel at that point online, or how does that work? Well, I don't think we're renting gowns, so I will probably do it symbolically. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe, uh, hopefully by then, social distancing rules will be uh, gone, and mm-hmm. we can, uh, I can hang out in the room with you, and a bunch of us can too, and celebrate together. Uh, one way or another, we'll celebrate, even if yeah. it's on Zoom. Uh, yeah. We'll find a way to celebrate your um, moving into the, the world of a doctor of ministry. But uh, among our staff, uh, Emily knows this too, mm-hmm. we're kind of laughing about this ahead of time with you, Richard. Uh, if our staff was Gilligan's Island, without a doubt, you are the professor. Yeah. Um, you, are, you are the guy who just knows things mm-hmm. uh, about all sorts of stuff. So no surprise you're getting your doctorate and uh, really glad to have you here. But we wanted to start today with a... Uh, a question that's a lot lighter, and then we're going to go deep uh, into some things. The lighter question is, how has this season affected the three of us? Mm-hmm. And as people are listening, you can kind of think about how that works for you. Emily, let's start with you. What what has the COVID-19 season of uncertainty done in terms of your day-to-day life? How has it changed? Well, it's changed in really every way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like the obvious answer. I, uh-huh. <laughs> I work uh, from my basement and somehow still struggle to get down there on time with my kids running around upstairs. Um, but that has been great. We have been uh, trying to dive into doing more things with our kids, like playing games back from our own childhood. And uh, our oldest is almost five. And so that's been fun to kind of start those trends. Uh, And uh, I think in church world, everything's different, obviously, and in some ways uh, fun. My kids, not the adults, but my kids perhaps have attended (laughs) church in their pajamas now. I'm proud to say that hadn't happened before, which is also surprising, (laughs) but it has happened now. Somebody sent me an email said, when we all do get back together again uh, in our sanctuaries at Hope, we might want to try to figure out how to how to provide ottomans uh, for people to kick their feet up while they're while they're worshiping because I think that's sort of the standard posture. Yep. Uh, yeah. For worship now, uh, and you're playing games with your kids. What yeah. you said, old school games, right? Well, so go fish is the trend right now. However, tonight we are getting out the old school guess who. Guess who? Or you flip the little faces up. Yeah. Oh, that's I, I awesome. love it. I love it. It'd be magical for your kids. Yeah. Right there at that age where just being introduced to this whole game world, yes. they're, they're going to start to see the magic of it. Yeah, yeah, that's fun for all of us. That's cool. Richard, what's new for you in your day-to-day life since uh, since this season started? Well, I've actually started making my bed. Well, <laughs> all that aside. Um, <laughs> Good for you. Uh, you know, you're single. You can be a slob, but R- actually, I, Richard, I, 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 Richard, your microphone's on. I just want to make sure you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably in all seriousness, um, I've started um, cooking from scratch again, um, and that's been really fun. Um, and I'm taking just a zillion photographs, and I've been processing some of that. Um, 
But uh, what kind of what kind of food are you uh, are you dabbling in as you as you make these homemade meals? Sure, um, Indian food. I've also been uh, messing around with uh, Puerto Rican and Mexican. <laughs> just you know, here's here's my ignorance. Is there a difference between, <laughs> yes. between different Caribbean island? I, I suppose there would be, of course, yeah. right? But only yep. Richard would know how to cook them all. Would you have any idea what the difference would be between like Puerto Rican and Jamaican and no? West but I'd like Indies? to taste the difference. Yeah, yeah, I bet it's great. Yeah. And yeah, healthy is spicier, spicier, ah. and and cooking at home, uh, healthier ingredients, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. healthier you, yeah, yep. working on that. You'll come back like Superman. That'll be It'll awesome. Be yeah, that's great. And Mike, uh, for me, I think, uh, like you said, Emily, that was a really good answer. Everything has changed. Yeah. What hasn't changed? Um, the work cycle has changed. The, it's mm-hmm. it's like the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep. Yeah, but one of the cool things is. Uh, being able to get more consistent in connecting with family. So we have three adult kids and they're all um, live out of town and have careers and are doing what they do. Uh, And we don't get to see them that much. But during this season, we've developed this weekly uh, video call that we do where we're all in there together and everybody's personalities come out and it's fun and funny um, and enjoyable. And we really look forward to it. We're doing the same thing with my mom. I've got two brothers. I'm the middle of three. And we're spread out around the country, and so every Sunday night we're uh, we're connecting on video and just spending some time together and chatting, and uh, it's really really been fun. Uh, so you know some some joy in the midst of uh, yeah. a season where it would really be nice to 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 get to that new normal that we're waiting for because mm-hmm. I just don't think this is it. This is the new abnormal. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that new normal. Yeah, that's great. With that, though, uh, let's let's take that theme of COVID nineteen, but let's let's bring it into the realm of theology. Uh, Richard, when did you get interested in theology? I actually got interested in theology probably around the fifth or sixth grade. Um, started talking to my grandma's Lutheran pastor sometime in junior high. I read a book by an author named Roland Bainton. It was a biography of Martin Luther called Here I Stand. Uh, so, yeah, I was pretty geeky, you know, fairly young. You know, it strikes me as you say that, one, I'm not too overly surprised. I'm sure you're not either, no. Emily, that you would start getting interested in theology in fifth grade. I don't know that that's necessarily the norm, but I'm I'm not surprised it's you because of knowing you and how mm-hmm. um, deeply ingrained you are in, into that whole realm. But let's define theology because I don't think we can assume that everybody mm. who's tuning in automatically knows what what it, I mean. That's the word gets thrown around occasionally yeah. in everyday circles. But what is it? What is theology? How would you define that? Theology is, is is literally the study of God. You get theos, the front end of the word, which means God, and logos, in this case, means the study. Um, so it's it's a study of all things that have to do with God. Thank you. And so we take that study of all things that have to do with God, and we bring those into current events. And right. we bring those into this season where everything has changed, like we just talked about. And so with that, and without further ado, Emily's got some really good questions for us. It is time for our two-minute drill. Two-minute drill! Okay, first question. Why do this? Why go deep and think theologically in the middle of a global pandemic? Well, in a lot of ways, I think um, the the question, why go deep? I would say why go deep, period. Um, For me, going deep is simply reflecting 
reflecting on what's happening, uh, whether I'm reflecting on how I respond to someone in a conflict or I reflect on something like the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, what I think that does is it makes us more aware of who we are in a situation and what we can do. And also, as a Christian, uh, where's God afoot in all of this? So mm-hmm. for me, that's what Go Deep means. Yeah, and I think I think theology, if we're going to dive into it at a time like this, it's going to be it's going to serve if it's if it's done faithfully, and it's done in a Bible based way. It's going to serve as a as a corrective for yeah. what I would call bad theology. And bad theology, I'm, I don't say that in a self righteous way. Like, okay, what I believe is good, and what other people believe is bad, because we all have a standard that we have to um, test our theology on, and that's God's word and that's scripture. So I'm talking about how Scripture becomes that corrective uh, and and a right interpretation of it and a right reading of it um, that keeps us out of ditches. You know, in the midst of this season, there are a lot of biblical misquotes. There are a lot of there's a lot of proof texting that goes on. There's a lot of um, misleading at best of people through bad theology. And sometimes I think it's well intentioned. It's not like people are trying to do this. They really believe it. But the problem is, is it doesn't pass the Bible test. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it, so you take their theology, and then you you take the totality of Scripture, and it doesn't pass the test. Mm. That's bad theology. Specifically, the way that plays out, just in in real simplistic terms, to make the point, is on one hand there are the people right now who are saying, "Hey, there's nothing to worry about at all. This is overblown. It's it, it's a big nothing because my theology or my misunderstanding or my misread of the Bible leads me to that conclusion. There's some truth in that. In the long run, we don't have to be worried. But there's also some there, there's also some false uh, there's a falsehood to that 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 misleads people. On the other end of the spectrum, it's the people who are freaking out saying this is the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And there will be an end of the world uh, as we know it. We believe that. Scripture says that. But just to assume that is is a bad theology. Good theology corrects bad theology. Good theology leads to truth. Truth leads to freedom. Freedom's a good thing. Uh, and so I think it's important for us to have these conversations and to frame them in a theological way. That's great. Second question, what can this virus teach us about control, humility, fear, and faith? Wow. Um, Several things. I think um, something like this teaches us that ultimately we're pretty much not in control of of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I think, really important in a culture that tends to find itself by its ability to control things. Um, and, and we find that as, as people age, one of the hardest things is the slow loss of control over their lives. Um, I think as a Christian, um, while that's in some ways hard news to hear because I sort of get the truth rubbed in my face that I am not God, um, but at the same time, it also um, gives me a more accurate understanding of who I am, and that's where the humility uh, kicks in, and, and, and then uh, it, it relates to faith as well, because then, well, who am I? Well, God can tell me who I am, and, and one of the major words to describe what God says I am is beloved, valued, treasured, worth dying for, forgiven. And, and so all of a sudden, my, my sense of identity doesn't ride on how things are going with my life circumstances. Mm. You said something there. It's so simple. Sometimes the deepest theology is, is, is the most simple statement. I am not God. Yeah. Uh, to be reminded of that. And this season, for sure, is reminding yeah. us that we are not 
as strong as we think we are. We are not God. We we don't get to see what God sees. We don't get to know what God knows. We don't have the power that God has mm-hmm. uh, to overcome these things. If we could, I mean, even the best things in this world, uh, you know, the 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 strongest forces we have for good, right? Reason and science and medicine mm-hmm. and education was not enough to prevent this. Yeah, that's humbling, yeah. right? That that is a real humbling reminder. I guess we're not quite as strong. We, I guess we're not as in control as we think we are. Richard and I had a, a professor back in seminary. Uh, we were at seminary at the same time, uh, Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. And Dr. James Nestigan uh, taught a capstone theology class. And I remember one of the things that he said that stuck with me was, and maybe you'll remember this too, Richard, uh, he said, doing ministry for uh, people who are affluent and have everything going for them is the hardest mission field in the world. Mm. Yes. Because those are folks who have a harder time remembering they aren't God. And, yeah. and I don't mean that in a demeaning or or even an accusatory way, but the better you're doing in this life, the better you're doing in this world, the harder it is to remember, I am not God and I need God. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the best that we have in this world isn't enough to fix this as quickly as we would want right. it to or to prevent it. So we're going to need something more. We're, right. we're, we're going to need God. We, we are not God, but thank God, God is. And yeah. God loves us and God is in control mm-hmm. uh, to answer the control part of that question. Yeah. It's wild to think about all the scientists in the world trying to look at this and figure it out. And they, they can't speed it up. Yeah. They can't, you know. And thank God for them. Yeah. I, I'm glad they're out there. Because God's still using them. Oh, my. That is, that is most likely going to be the way God does yes. this and, and brings healing to the world. Will yep. be through a vaccine or some kind of treatment or something. Yeah. So more power to him. I don't think we have to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. We we don't have to be. You know, if we're for God, we aren't against science. Absolutely. God's the great scientist, yep. right? God's for all this, and so we need to be too. That's good theology yep. as well. But yep. I'm getting ramped up, and we need got another question. It's <laughs> well, a two minute drill, not a four minute drill. Well, third question: What's wrong with finding someone to blame or lash out at for our problems? Go ahead, Richard. You bet. This is really timely because right now there's a lot of finger pointing at China. And my problem with all that, and and it's important to establish the facts, um, that helps us actually learn. But when often when people blame or look for someone to blame for their misfortune, um, they find very quickly that answer isn't going to get you anywhere. Hmm. Just finding who's at fault doesn't make it better. And, and, And explanations rarely heal the soul. Uh, and so that would be my, my primary reason why I don't think finding someone to blame is, is actually going to get us anywhere important. Yeah, I, I would say the exact same thing as, as the primary response to that good question that, Emily, you just asked. Mm-hmm. That when we play the blame game, it's ult- ultimately not soul-satisfying for us, no. mm-hmm. even if we find someone to blame. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's say there is a country to blame or, or that there is, there is a, a, a political world leader to blame or there's some sinister you know, scheme that, that caused this to happen. Okay, so, so we've got someone to blame. How is that going to make this better? Yeah. How, how is that going to help us cope? Because yeah. if, if all it is is, well, we just needed to find somebody whose fault it was. Now, on one level, I get it. If somebody caused this and we find out who that is, mm-hmm. then we can hopefully take some steps to make sure it doesn't happen again, mm-hmm. right? Great. Beyond that, there isn't a whole lot that blaming does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it leads ultimately to a distraction from us trying to figure out how better 
to deal with, okay, what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. How, how can we do this together? And this isn't just for COVID-19, is well, I was it? just going to ask that. Right? You're talking in general. Yeah. Th- th- this is, COVID-19 is an example of this, oh, of yeah. this theological truth. Mm-hmm. And that truth is, is that when we get caught, and this happens in our culture all the time, when we play the blame, it's like, well, if I just find somebody to blame, then it's going to be okay. So I'm a bell went off, I know, but I think this is a pretty good anecdotal story. So I'm watching the Michael Jordan documentary uh, on Sunday night that just debuted the first two episodes. And anybody who's big NBA sports basketball type fans or Jordan fans or Bulls fans or any of the above or people who are just dying for some sports mm-hmm. right now are all tuned in and Twitter went nuts, right? It, ju- it just lit up. Uh, during this documentary Sunday night, and it was so well done. But one of the things I remember Michael Jordan did when his father was brutally murdered, just kind of a random murder as he was driving in South Carolina, somebody asked Michael Jordan, they said, well, um, do you want to be in court and make sure that they get this, this guy who murdered your dad? Uh, and, and, and do you want him to be locked up forever or get capital punishment or something? And Michael Jordan said... And this was a great theological moment for him. <laughs> you know, he said, uh, how is that going to bring any healing to me, ultimately? If you punish the person who took my dad's life, um, is that going to bring my dad back? Are we, are we going to – I get it. There's got to be justice. Mm-hmm. But if the ultimate goal in our life is justice, which is where kind of blaming goes to, if that's all there is to it, we just want justice, period. That's the end of the story. That's the ultimate goal. That's not going to be enough. It's not going to get us what we're looking for. Mm. And he was smart enough to say, what I'm looking for, I can't have right now and, mm-hmm. until the kingdom comes, right? Until eternity mm-hmm. yeah. through faith in Jesus. I'm not going to see my dad again un- yeah. until that happens. Yeah. And so punishing, over-punishing somebody who did this he goes, it's irrelevant to me because I'm looking for something better than justice. I'm, I'm looking for that relationship again. So mm. that, was, that was a very long anecdote, but I think, it cu- I think it speaks to the problem with the blame game. It ultimately doesn't get us where we want to go. Yeah. Next question. Is COVID-19 God's judgment and wrath for the sins of the world? I'm going to let you take as long as you want on this one, Richard. You betcha. There's a whole lot in there. Um, I want to start by just saying that the vast majority of Scripture was written during periods of intense suffering, evil, and death. Um, sometimes catastrophes, sometimes dictators who were bent on, on, on slaughtering millions of people. And in the middle of that, um, God, I think, inspired all the authors to reflect. And the consensus of Scripture is that that's not how God's judgment and wrath work, um, that, in, in fact, God is not the author of evil. Um, another way of putting it, one theologian said God is not the divine child abuser. Hmm. Uh, he doesn't get a- angry and hit people when he gets upset. Um, rather, when Scripture talks about God's judgment and wrath, and, he, and, and in some ways those are bad ways of translating the original Hebrew and Greek, those words both have to do with God putting things back together. And yes, if you're profiting from the brokenness, you will have a bad hair day, and you will experience the wrath side. That would be like um, with when apartheid was lifted off South Africa. If you were wealthy and white and you had servants that you barely paid anything for from the black portion of your country and your kids got free education, when apartheid was lifted, all that went away. 
and, and you experienced the wrath side where the black and the brown South Africans experienced the restoration side. Same action, just depended on who profited from what. Now, with COVID-19, this is completely out of everybody's control. Um, and this is important, and I, I'm only going to touch on this because this may be a larger discussion. But what Scripture talks about when someone says, why is this happening? The uh, Scripture does not give um, a, an explanation, but it gives a promise yeah. that, mm-hmm. that this will not be the last word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that promise is that this won't be the last word and that victory Certainly during the season of Easter, we know that that victory is coming. I want to put a pin in that one. I want to, I want to get back to that in the deeper dive in just a minute, but we've got one more two-minute drill question. Yeah, last one. Where is God, and how can someone make a real connection with God in a season of uncertainty? Yeah. Um, a couple things. One is God has is promised to be in the midst of everything, even if we can't perceive his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's given us tools to, to connect with God in, in pain and suffering and uncertainty. Uh, Martin Luther uh, famously said, it's an act of faith to lay the devil at God's doorstep. And there are a whole lot of psalms that teach us to do just that. So one of the ways we can perceive and make a connection with God is to begin to pray what we call the psalms of lament or complaint. And these are where we just go to God and we can say everything from God. I don't even think you're there, but I'm going to keep talking. And God's like, I'll take it. I'm a big boy. I can handle all this stuff. Um, and, and, and so it's often when we let our pain out in front of God's presence that we begin to sense his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that Jesus on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was, I mean, paradoxically, Jesus as God was sensing God's absence, which is really wild. Um, but that song goes on, and there's a sense that the deeper you go into your pain, the more you discover God. And finally, that psalm ends uh, in praise, oddly enough, even though things have not gotten better. Not saying that you should you know, necessarily put on a happy face when there's pain. But it's interesting, often when we start getting stuff out and getting real with God, it's often in that, that mess that we begin to, to experience uh, not an answer for the situation, but the presence of God who promises once again, this will not be the last word. Your pain doesn't get the last word. COVID-19 doesn't get the last word. Death doesn't get the last word. My promises get the last words, and they're good promises, and they go beyond. Not even death can stop them. Mm-hmm. And we need to hear that right now. We, we, we need that hope. Uh, and I'm not talking about the name of our church, although the name of our church is named after that hope that you just yeah. described, yeah. the hope that there is a God who is mm-hmm. going to break through. And yeah. we're, we're longing and waiting and trusting, not just, yeah. gosh, I hope this happens, but mm-hmm. trusting the God who promises this will happen. We know yeah. that the God we worship keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we put our trust, we put our faith. That's deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's the same depth. It strikes me as you talk about Jesus on the cross saying, you know, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. And that that ultimately takes us deep into um, a, an awareness of God's presence mm-hmm. in, the midst, in the midst of our pain. Romans 5, 3, keeps and following continually mm-hmm. comes back to me. Romans 3 and Romans 8 keeps jumping to me. Yeah, yeah. Romans 8, nothing can separate us from God's love. Romans 3, suffering produces endurance. And I'm memorizing it from mm-hmm. the old NRSV here. Suffering produces endurance, endurance character, and character hope. And hope will not disappoint us. So it leads us back to that hope mm-hmm. again. Our, our suffering ultimately, if we stick with God, 
and here's where theology helps us again, yeah. that yeah. we don't invent some stuff that isn't going to pass the Bible test, mm-hmm. that, that we don't fall into ditches and, and get lost in religiosity, but we, yeah. we take Scripture for for the life-giving source that it is from God, this gift God gives to us, yeah, where he yeah. says, your suffering isn't the end. Suffering yeah. goes to endurance. Endurance goes to character. We can feel that right now, can't mm-hmm. we? Yeah, that that yeah. We can feel the endurance. We can, we can feel the character in saying no to the, to the food pantry, the, the pantry and the refrigerator saying, yeah. come eat some more, you know, <laughs> gain 10 pounds. It'd be the COVID 10, right? Uh-huh. Um, or, or, or COVID 19. Yeah, yeah. It might refer to more than just the year it started. Uh, but that hope that, that ultimately Romans 5 leads us to, and it isn't some hope that's like, well, just think positive. Just, just have some sort of new agey, you know, hey, we're going to get through this. I promise we'll get through this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we hear well-meaning people keep saying that. We're, we're all, I promise. And there's just a, there's a part of me that is like, thank you. That's nice. That's kind. I, I agree. We're going to get through this. But when they say, I promise we're going to get through this, I feel like, who are you to tell me we're going to get through this? Mm-hmm. Who, you're a mortal human being. I need something more. I need a hope that's grounded in something deeper. Uh, and so we've been doing a deeper dive this whole time, but, but let's go ahead and put the deeper dive graphic up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to take that down a little bit further even, Richard, um, and ask, so that hope, where, where, do we, where else can we go to find that hope in this season? I really don't think there is anywhere else other than God himself. I think there's ways to, there are practices that can help us one is is in community. Uh, I'm just blown away how many small groups we started here at Hope, yeah. um, and people are experiencing God in their midst as Jesus promised. Uh, we've already talked about praying the honest psalms that the Bible gives us. Um, I think also just immersing ourselves in the story of Scripture, um, and then very practical things. I think, for example, I do a lot of praying when I, I take a walk, and and that's um, you know so been taking lots of walks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's where hope is found. Again, I think it's no accident that most of Scripture was written during times of intense suffering. So the authors have some street cred, and and, and they're not just spouting religion. I, I, I think the most astounding thing was the Apostle Paul is in a jail cell, not knowing whether he's going to be executed, and all he can talk about is how his imprisonment has leveraged the gospel so that the entire palace guard has come to know Jesus. I mean, wow, um, I want that kind of faith. It strikes me that we're living in a time, you, you said that Scripture's written in times of suffering. M- most of Scripture's written in times of yeah, great human yeah. suffering in this world, uh, and that's true. But what strikes me is, in my lifetime, I'm not old enough to remember I wasn't born before Kennedy was assassinated. Um, I do remember the space shuttle tragedy. Mm. I, I think that's one of those places we can also we remember where we were. Yeah. Of course, I remember 9-11. Uh, we can all, all, those of us old enough can all remember that. Uh, and I think, obviously, this will be another one, mm-hmm. you know, COVID-19, the coronavirus, uh, will be another one of those times where our world is really up against it, uh, where we have to figure out, you know, the same thing the disciples did when they said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Who else can give us what only you can give us in, in the midst of this time? So, so the Bible's written in the context of suffering, which is why 
this happened during 9-11 too. And Richard, you had just come to hope, uh, yeah. if I remember correctly, not long before 9-11 happened. And then we suddenly had these spontaneous worship services. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it hit me the other day. I was like, yeah, but even back then, at least we could gather. Yeah. In person, at least we could get together and pray together, and we could we could sing familiar hymns, and we could hear the word of God proclaimed, and we could read scripture uh, together, and it would bless us and it would lift us up. This, in in so many ways, is worse. Yeah, um, you know, more Americans have died from this mm-hmm. than nine eleven, and now we're also facing the reality that we can't gather in person like we could back then. But what what really breaks through for me is God's word in, in the midst of these times. Because it was written in times of great human suffering, almost everywhere we go, we find something that says, wow, that's relevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would strongly encourage people to get into the habit of reading the Bible yeah. right about now. Start with the Psalms mm-hmm. uh, and read through these songs from, from the heart that are written in the key of life, you know, that are written about mm-hmm. real world deep pain and suffering. And how people coped, and how they found God in the midst of that, and how how God showed up in the in, in that in those times too. I, I think that's really important. Richard, you're nodding. It looks like you had something to add there. If I know well, you're nonverbal, I, I I just when I think about it, the more we can immerse ourselves in the world of Scripture, um, I think uh, I was pondering on the phrase "the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And for some reason, it always stuck my, in my head is kind of like a, a a a saying or an aphorism, you know. So if you want to be first, be last. But it's actually a summary of Jesus' life. He went out and found the people everybody else regarded as last and made them first. Um, and the, the sad thing is the people who thought they were first, he wanted them first too, but not in the way they, they thought. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways the COVID-19 situation reminds us that really the only place where we discover ourselves at home is in, in Christ's arms. Yeah. Um, and we have all kinds of reminders of that. But at the end of the day, uh, when our back's up against the wall, we've got someone that says, you're my favorite kind of person. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, what's mm-hmm. happening. Uh, I'm just hopelessly in love with you to the point where I, where I died for you. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's what people who had no hope, this is where they discovered their hope. In the first century, these people, uh, I mean, the life expectancies were 31 years. Uh, you wondered if your kids were going to get another meal. Uh, it, hopefully, if you had a good catch of fish, they would. And, and in the middle of this, Jesus shows up. And so in the middle of all this, Jesus is still showing up, uh, no matter who you are and what's going on with you. God's really good at showing up in ditches, you know, yeah, in, in, yeah. in deep, dark valleys of the shadow of death. Yeah, God is yeah. really good at breaking through in, in those places. And if we don't know, we could get a little bit tripped up and yeah. say, well, maybe this is the end of the world. Because I heard somebody say that, or I heard that there was some religious person who said that, or I heard mm-hmm. somebody quote a Bible verse. And so it sure seems like this is God's judgment and this is the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And theologically, there is, we should probably speak to this. Yeah. Uh, but theologically, there's a, there's a real good concern underneath that, which is the sovereignty of God, right? We don't want to, we don't want to suggest that God isn't in control. Of course, God's in control. But then you have the issue of, well, if God is in control and God is sovereign, why is this happening? Right? Yeah, what, yeah. Why, why are we dealing with what we're dealing with right now? So the, the simplistic way to get around the sovereignty is like, well, if God is sovereign and this is happening, this is judgment. And, and therefore, this is God 
and and then conveniently, a lot of people say it's judgment against the things I'm against. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> if I'm a Democrat, it's judgments against Republicans. If I'm a Republican, it's judgments uh, against Democrats. If if I'm if I'm for this and against that, then it's judgments against people who are you know the opposite side of that issue than I am. Yeah. And yeah. so it's judgment over whatever. I'm for and whatever somebody else is against or or vice versa. What do we say to that as theologians, as pastors? Where's the correction? Mm -hmm. Well, a couple of things. One is I think, you know, that kind of judgment is just a little too easy. There was a Christian songwriter who once said, everybody likes to see justice done on someone else. (laughs) Um, Go get them, God. recognize that. (laughs) Yeah. I think a couple things. One is, as you alluded, there is a a, a, a last great day of the Lord, and um, what's going to happen on that day? And th- this helps us understand what's happening right now. Um, in in our culture, justice is usually punitive. If something's wrong, someone's got to pay. Yeah. We're in Scripture. Well, there is an element of that. What's mostly there is what they call restorative justice. When something's wrong, God will put it right. And so, on the last day, we're promised that God will restore all things. And so, God's heart is to put things back together, not blow things up. And so, if we start with that in the heart of God and the character of God, then we come back to this and we ask, is COVID-19 God's judgment? And God will use this to restore stuff, but he won't use it to hurt people. And, And once again, God's not a divine child abuser. Um, one of the things that just blows me away is if you read all the language in the Gospels, Jesus talks about judgment like crazy, and in John he says, the Father has given me the authority to judge all things, and then there's a spot during um, the, the final Passover meal where he talks that way and says, I'm about to judge all things, and then John so beautifully writes, and when he writes about the cross, he makes it sound as if that's the king judging all things and the cross is his throne. Yeah. And once again, God is so compassionate about putting things together that he even gave his own life so that things could be restored. Mm. That's judgment in the Bible. And yes, there is accountability. Yes. And, and God, yeah, is a, God is a God of justice, for yes, sure. Yes, he is. But he God is. is also a God of mercy. Absolutely. And, and so, once again, if we want to talk about how God uses something like this, we got to go to Romans 8.28, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that God will not leave anything empty, that even this somehow, even if we never understand in our lifetimes, will, will be the way that God somehow moves things forward to restoration. And again, if you're in the middle of pain, I, I don't use that as a cheap way to get God off the hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's often, it's very responsible to look at someone straight in the eye and say, I don't know. Right. Mm. And, and and that and, and, is that is not only good theology, it's faithful to scripture. Yeah. Be- because we don't know what God knows. Isaiah 55, yeah. my ways are not your ways. My thoughts yeah. are above your thoughts. I see things you don't see. God reminds yeah. us through the prophet Isaiah. And but what is the role of a faithful prophet in a time such as this? What did Abraham do when Sodom's about to be destroyed for yeah. for yeah. for judgment? For for yeah. their as I we can read stories in the Bible where God does judge. And, yes, and, and God does, uh, you know, smite and, and and wipe out for sure. Yeah. But it's spiritually arrogant to say that we know if we don't know. Yeah. Or just say, well, I don't like this, so therefore that's God's judgment on this thing that I don't like. If you don't know that, stop. Stop saying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you don't have a clear where – otherwise, where's, mm-hmm. where's our humility before a holy God to, yeah. to say yeah. mm-hmm. what we know for sure is – 
so I think about Abraham pleading to God for yeah. the salvation of Sodom. Mm-hmm. What if there's just 50 righteous, God? Yeah. What, what, and, yeah. then, and then he keeps bargaining down, right? What if there's just 10, yeah. right? What if, yeah. Let, yeah. Let, let's, let's see how far we can go on this. Yeah. That's the role of the faithful prophet yeah. in the face of suffering is we seek God's mercy. We mm-hmm. seek God's grace and yeah. his love to be poured out from heaven in these times. Yeah. We yeah. don't because we it isn't going to be soul satisfying. It isn't, it, it, it's not mm-hmm. faithful. It's not true. There's no freedom in it. Yeah. And, and it doesn't pass the Bible the Bible test either oh, yeah. mm-hmm. to say, well, I will be happy when those people get their due. It, yeah. You actually yeah. won't be happy uh, mm-hmm. with that. Our role is to say, God, please forgive yeah. us. Uh, have Lord, have mercy on us. Mm-hmm. Two men went into a temple to pray. You know, yeah. w- one came in and says, I'm super religious, and so God, you know, I'm just here to remind you. The other man, as Jesus tells this story in Luke's gospel, went in and said, Simple but profoundly deep prayer. The deepest theology is the simplest stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. I'm a sinner. Shouldn't that be our posture right now? Oh, I- Instead of saying God's getting them, mm-hmm. what about us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if God's getting them, maybe he's getting us too because all of us are sinners. If we, do we really want to get what we deserve? Mm-hmm. Because, because if we do, we're all in trouble. Mm-hmm. Or do we want God's mercy for all? For, mm-hmm. for, for us, for them, whoever the them is in your life, mm-hmm. uh, for, for this whole world that God would turn this, this world right side up again and would, would restore us, as the psalm says. Restore us, oh God. Bring us uh, to that new normal, not the old normal, even better than the old normal. Bring mm-hmm. us to a place where we won't take you for granted so much. Mm-hmm. Bring us to a place where we're not so comfortable we forget we need you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Br- bring us to that place where there is your light and your life breaking through. I think of Moses, and, and you were talking about uh, a faithful response of a prophet to God's judgment. God had decided to judge um, Israel in the wilderness because they were worshiping a golden calf. Yeah, And, and Moses' response yeah. was literally to talk him out of it. Huh. it, it he appealed on the basis of God's own character to have mercy, and God did. Sure. On the other hand... God chews out Jonah the prophet for 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 liking judgment too much. Yeah, and he says, "Shouldn't you have my heart for the people? Yeah, you know, if I care about them all the way from you know they, the people who can't you know tell their left hand from their right and right. And, and even their animals and their donkeys, right. you know, right. what's up with you wanting me to destroy that all? That's not my heart." Or Jonah right. who went the wrong way when he thought he was too good, you know, for, yeah. Yeah. for the Ninevites yeah. and. Uh, on and on and on. When we take the totality of Scripture, instead of just proof texting a verse out and saying, see, God judges, and so this is the end of the world. Yeah. 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 Just a little humility, a lot of humility there, please. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's let God be God, yeah. and we'll be us, <laughs> and we won't play God, yeah. and, and we'll let the truth of God's Word break through. Uh, yeah. That's good theology. We we could keep going, couldn't we? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we better we better wrap it up though. I'm looking at the clock. I think it's time to to, to wind it down. We uh, end every podcast, Richard, as you know, uh, with a uh, a mic drop moment. We call it. Mm-hmm. Just what did we learn in the midst of this conversation? Uh, anytime I talk to you, I learn a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, Emily, your questions were outstanding. You, what did we learn from those questions? What did we learn from the responses? What did we learn from scripture? Uh, Emily, we'll start with you and we'll just, we'll just go around and wrap things up. Yeah, I have two thoughts. One is that you guys obviously are phenomenal theologians and you know how to dive really deep 
to me, as I listen even to you guys talk about all the things that we have, it seems to come down to it's a lot easier to decipher some of this stuff if you know God's heart. And you know God's heart by getting into the scripture and and hearing who he is. And and so Richard talking about God's in the business of putting things back together really stands out to me. Um, Yeah. And the other thing is, Mike, you talked about we're going to likely remember these days of you remember where you were when 9-11 happened. We're going to remember this pandemic. And what I hope is you talked, Mike, about I hope we're asking God, show me who you are in these moments. And I hope I remember what good can come out of this. And I hope that I think back to these days and I come out knowing God better, or at least knowing how to turn to him, even in midst of these times. Amen. That that would be my new mic drop. I've got another one that I'll, I'll keep uh, and say at the end, but uh, scripture says that too, Emily. You're, you're a good theologian. That it says we're supposed to remember. We're supposed to learn from what we've mm-hmm. what we've experienced, and uh, remember the Lord, and remember what He's done for us, and remember His promises, uh, re- remember His character, remember His guidance, mm-hmm. re- remember these things. Yeah, let's not let's not go back. And in a world right now that feels pretty chaotic, mm-hmm. like we don't we don't always know what's going to happen. We don't know when we're going to go back to certain things. You have to hold tight to remembering those things. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. be good learners. Richard, what's your mic drop moment today? Well, I, I think just, um, I don't know where I've heard it, but there is a God and I'm not him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and that to me is just huge. Let God be God, as you said. And and I, I can't figure out what God is up to. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and that's way too convenient. I've just got to be still, as the scriptures say, and, 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 and let God be God. Yeah, I'll say the same thing and just take it in, with a phrase that you said early on in our conversation today. You said, I am not God. And that's not a bad way to start every day mm-hmm. or to end every day mm-hmm. or to do right now before this podcast closes. You know, go go walk uh, over to a mirror. Go find a mirror. Look, look in it and say, okay, I am not God. Uh, but there is a God. Mm-hmm. This God loves you. Uh, this God loves me. This God loves us. This God loves this world. For God so loved this world that he gave his only son. Think about how much love that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That God loves this world so much he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Yeah. This, Martin Luther said, is uh, the whole of scripture in summary. Uh, John three sixteen. God is a God of love. Mm-hmm. And God was willing to go to great lengths uh, so good thing I'm not God because yeah. I wouldn't be able to love like that. Uh, I, I'd like to think that I would. I'd like to think that I try to be faithful to that. But mm-hmm. God is so much better at being God. It's like Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty, right? That <laughs> God is so much better at being God than I am. Uh, and so to say I am not God is very freeing. It's humbling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it also puts me in the right place. Mm-hmm. It aligns me, and now I'm looking. I'm looking to God for help. Instead of me, uh, I'm, I'm looking to a greater source. Psalm 121 comes to mind. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? Mm-hmm. And then there's like this, you know, dramatic pause. My help comes from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord alone, God alone can give us this help and this hope. So thanks, you guys. Yeah, thank you. I love talking theology. (laughs) Pastor, (laughs) soon-to-be Dr. Richard Webb, uh, we'll have you back on again soon, and we'll dive deep again. Mm -hmm. Emily, thank you uh, for being you, and thanks for your good questions, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. 
Thanks to our faithful studio crew, the new Pew studio crew. You guys are absolutely awesome. Um, you know, I forgot to mention Chris. Chris New is one of our studio guys. You said you have a pajama rule. I think that's a good place to close. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? You so want to on the pajama rule? Yeah. What, what's the pajama rule in your house nine during the COVID time? Nine o'clock, the bell rings. We don't actually have a bell, but we switch from our daytime to our nighttime pajamas. So <laughs> that's great. That's how we. <laughs> Keep you could use things. our bell that yeah. we use for our two-minute drill. <laughs> See, so, somehow that all fits in with the whole humility part and, <laughs> and, and the being comfortable in our own pajamas, yes. uh, our own shoes in, in, the, in the face of God's love for us. <laughs> yes. So thanks to the crew. Thanks to Emily. Thanks to Richard. Thanks to all of you. And we will see you again next week. Spread the word. Hit the share buttons. Uh, subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Podcasts or Spotify. I don't think you can subscribe on Spotify, but follow us there. Wherever you can. Uh, and YouTube. Uh, we're there if you want the video version. You can check that out, too. Share it with your friends. Uh, spread the word. We appreciate all your support. Thanks for tuning in. God loves you. Don't forget that. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in today to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. We would invite you on whatever app you are on to rate and review us to help get the word out. And in the meantime, if you can join us for worship, we would love to have you. We'll see you there. I'm the typical.